0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Orlando Magic Daily Draft Lottery Spectacular in association with our pals from Orlando Pinstripe Post and the Orlando Magic Podcast. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the host and site expert over at orlandomagicdaily.com. I'm joined today by our panel of magic experts, starting with Ricky Skricka from Orlando Magic Daily. Ricky, say hi to the people.
2: Hello, people. What's up?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's Ricky. He's our draft expert over at Orlando Magic Daily. We're also joined today by Orlando Pinstripe Post, Aaron Goldstone. Aaron, what's up? Hello, hello, what's up? Thanks for having me, Phil. Absolutely. And we're joined today also by Steve Garlick and Andy Harrington of the Orlando Magic Podcast. Steve and Andy, welcome to the show.
3: Glad to be here again. What's up? <laughs>
1: Well, we're we're here again. Hopefully, we won't be here much longer. Just just one more year would be nice. Uh, but uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna count our chickens before they hatch. Just like we're not counting our ping pong balls before they're drawn. As I'm sure most of you are, you probably have ESPN on your screen. They're showing Andre, DeAndre Ayton being a dominant rebounder right now on my screen, at least. Uh, we'll be watching the NBA draft lottery and reacting to it live. But before we get into that, uh, I want to make sh- I want to talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic, what they're looking to do in the NBA draft, as well as what they're looking to do this off season. If you want to interact with the show, I'll be trying to keep tabs on Twitter. So you can tweet at me at Oh magic daily or at locked magic. I'll get tweets there. You can also leave comments on the YouTube page. If you're watching on YouTube live for this Google hangout. And so, I, you know, I wanted to start, it's been a month. I, I got the reminder that it's been a month since the magic season ended. I wanted to start with you two, Andy and Steve. It's been a month since the season ended. What do you make of last season? Like, where, where do we, where do we begin this offseason?
4: That's a, that's a really, really good question, Phil. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I think we just have to um, kind of start like, um, what, what is management thinking now? Like, what, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Because the evaluation period is over, right? Now it's time for action. Now it's time to actually do something. And um, I think we've kind of, you know, seen that, the teardown has start to begun. The coach is gone. Um, I think you can you can kind of see where the direction uh, Weltman and Hammond are going to go. And so, um, I think looking back at it, I think you kind of have to say that that Weltman and Hammond have evaluated and they said that this is uh, not good, and uh, <laughs> we need to to tear down. And uh, I think it starts here at the draft.
3: Yeah, it'll be fun to see what identity they go with as a coach, especially um, especially with the way the season ended. Obviously, they're looking for a new direction, and, and that's what has me most excited next to the lottery tonight, is seeing who's who the coach is going to be.
1: Yeah, and obviously, the coach is, is a huge question. We'll get to the coach in just a little bit, because it's been so quiet that we can pretty much imagine whatever we want to imagine. Uh, but Aaron, it's it's been a month since the season ended. Uh, you were at the Amway Center for, for a good chunk of the games as well. What, what, where do you think the Magic leave off? Is this, is this truly the Magic starting from scratch?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it all kind of is based off of what they decided to do with with Aaron Gordon this summer. You know, this is kind of a, the summer of Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, there's a lot of options. They can, you know, pay to bring him back. Um, they can match if another team throws a lot of money. They could probably look into maybe a decent haul for, you know, a sign and trade, which I know scares a lot of people, you know, to talk about that. But, you know, Weldman Hammond, they didn't draft him. He's not their guy. And while he is a quality NBA player, you know, they need to do their due diligence and listen. Um, You know, I think it starts with Isaac, which is scary since we didn't see that much of him. What we saw was okay, pretty good. Um, And then this next pick, you know, um, there's arguably not another team in the lottery that has as much riding on tonight as far as kind of jump starting, you know, their, their organization, the, the magic do um, the coach, you know, like you said, it's probably not worth getting into right now because it's all about X's and O's. Well, for right now, it's about Jimmy and Joe's, you know, like get the roster um, going the way that that Weltman and Hammond, you know, want it to look. And,
1: and again, it, it, it feels like they're they there. Uh... Ricky, I'm going to – this is true with Aaron Gordon. The Magic really can't do anything until they resolve the Aaron Gordon issue. So, Ricky, uh, Ricky, what do you think of where the Magic should go with Aaron Gordon? Is he really a part of this team's core moving forward?
2: I think – okay, so we – there's a lot of people who are – their attitude towards the Aaron Gordon situation is very much like, okay, match whatever – uh, offer he gets because obviously to have him pulled away from the team from the organization and then go blossom somewhere else like Victor Oladipo did that would be gut-wrenching so it's understandable that people kind of are taking that approach with it like we just have to bring him back no matter what I think like I I completely understand that but I think personally like you gotta kind of be a little bit cautious with it I don't necessarily think that a max offer is going to be on the table. It definitely could be a team like the Mavericks who has caps, cap space. I could definitely see them being interested in, in a move like that. Um, but just based on the fact that there's a lot more – well, there's not a ridiculous amount of free agent talent this year, but there still is more free agent talent out there than there is cap space available. So I think most players, and especially players in Aaron Gordon's range that aren't quite a superstar but also are like better than a role player – I think those kinds of players are going to be getting crunched, so I don't think necessarily that will be getting a max offer that the Magic will be will have to match. But I mean, if they do, um, I, I think if he does get that kind of offer, I don't think that would be a great idea, just based off of the fact that um, you know that towards the end, um, unless Aaron Gordon does, you know, kind of have like a Victor Oladipo sized leap, um, that's not going to be efficiently spent money, and the Magic are already not in like the ideal cap situation for a rebuilding team. So basically I think while the attitude of match, whatever is understandable, you gotta be a little bit discerning with it, depending on how it plays out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Aaron Gordon, God bless his confidence, said ideal situation. I get a max. I stay in Orlando. Uh, I I think all of us would agree. Aaron Gordon, probably not worth a max contract. Yes. No. Any, Anyone want to argue for the for Aaron Gordon max
0: contract? He's good at jumping out of a pool, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I I actually really like Aaron Gordon. Um I really like his game, especially out west there's a quite a few teams who are looking for that hybrid four that can come and play defense. We saw kind of a new skill set from him this year. I I felt like uh that that mid-range game. Obviously, I felt like at times he was definitely forcing it. But I do think, you know, there might be some teams who try to kind of get in there uh, and, and try to contend. Um, that's that's where I see the market for Aaron is actually out West, not in the East. So I think that's going to be what's really interesting is I feel that's where the contract will come for Aaron Gordon.
1: Did, did for, for any of you, did, did the second half of Aaron Gordon's season worry you? Because I've... You know, you look at his splits, the first half, absolutely amazing. If the Magic had kept their pace, he would have been a potential all-star. But the second half, I kind of couch it all as growing pains, as a guy who was still figuring out how to be a star mm-hmm. in this league or how to, how to play like a star or, or getting the star attention that he was getting. Is, is that any concern or, or, or can we just chalk it off as, as growing pains?
2: Yeah, I – um okay, so there was definitely a major efficiency drop-off, and there were some really bad-looking stretches of games for him where he absolutely was forcing stuff. I mean, you did see some, like, areas of growth. Like, I think his passing improved just, like, as far as some of the reads he was able to make. I think we're getting a little bit more advanced than they were earlier in his career, which definitely that is promising. But overall, he just wasn't making good decisions with the ball. But it's, I, I guess, sort of what happens when you have a team that it's, like – who else is going to get the ball for these possessions where it's like, I I mean, obviously there are like other players that can score on the team, but it just, it like the magic we're playing with like virtually nothing to lose, nothing to gain. So I think Aaron Gordon just ended up in this position was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to take all these shots and do whatever I want because I can. (laughs) Um, So I think that made just like, just that increasing usage kind of made his efficiency numbers look worse. I don't think the drop-off is Quite as bad as like some of the numbers may seem. I mean, the true shooting percentage definitely dropped. His overall three point shooting definitely dropped. His catch and shoot numbers, though, which I think is the most important thing, actually stayed pretty stable, if I remember correctly. So that is kind of what I'm holding on to is sort of like, okay, we can see that maybe Aaron Gordon is going to be this crazy, like off the dribble pick and roll, like Steph Curry shooting threes from everywhere. Getting forty point games like was at the beginning of the year. Maybe he's not that, but at the very least, we can be like, okay, he went this full season shooting a reasonable percentage on catch and shoot 3 So this guy can be like, at the very least, a good support offensive player that can knock down those shots and you know finish at the rim like he always has. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know if you if you ask me, I think the Magic should invest in Aaron Gordon. It's not the Victor Oladipo scare thing. It's a, he's 22 years old. He took a big leap in his game this year. Like I said, I think they were growing pains. And I think at some point you got to be willing to invest in someone. Um, and the Magic are obviously in kind of a weird place with their development and, and their growth, but I still think Gordon is still the right guy to kind of grow and continue with. Um, Aaron, we, we talked uh, a little bit about Gordon as, as kind of the central focus of the summer, but what do you make of the rest of this roster? I think a lot of us expect a healthy bit of turnover. You know, you know, everyone's kind of saying, I, I, except for Isaac Gordon, Wundu, Simmons, Birch, whoever. You you got you, you you kind of have to flip over everyone else. What do you make of the rest of this roster? And and, and do
0: the Magic have
1: to make a huge turnover this summer?
0: Um. Do they have to? I don't know. You know, they may be difficult. Like, first I off, let's get... To have to and and
1: want to are two different things,
0: Right. Course. I mean, like, let's get this off the table. Like, the Magic are not fooling anyone in the NBA. They're not trading Bismack Biambo to anyone. Like, he still has two years left on his contract, and you just have to kind of bite the bullet. You're halfway through. Um, You know, maybe you could stretch provision in the last year, but for now, you just you just let him be the second string or maybe third string center and you just ride with it. Like you you don't want to give up an asset to dump him. Like they don't really have enough assets to go around. So that's off the table for me. Fournier, I don't think his contract is as bad as a lot of people do. Um, You know, I think he can be a very solid NBA player with other pieces around him that are correct, which the magic, you know, don't have, but I'm fine with him. He's probably still a year or two away from being traded. So you know, obviously you come to Nikola Vucevic and, um, you know, he's an expiring deal and um, he could definitely help somebody with the right perimeter defenders, but it's kind of an Alfred Payton situation for me. Like I think the magic fans probably value Vucevic more than the rest of the league, kind of like Payton, you know, like what can they get for, for Vucevic like uh, an early second? I mean, a late first, I'm not even convinced you'd probably have to take another bad contract back. So, That, you know, that's up to Wellman and Hammond what they want to do. Uh, Simmons is probably very movable because of his deal, but do you want to move him? It's a fair deal. So do they want to turn over the roster? Sure. Will they be able to? You know, that one might be just making a move to make a move. You know, like, so uh, I don't know how much success they would have turning over the roster and they don't have any cap flexibility with or without Gordon. So signing anyone more than just the vet minimum is kind of, um. not realistic. Yes. It's going to be hard to find starters in, in free agency, I, Andy and
1: Steve, uh, Nikola Vucevic, obviously a huge lightning rod for this team. Uh, you know, I, I think I've written about it, how it just feels like it's, it, I mean, I'm a big Vooch fan. I like the guy personally. Uh, but it, it feels like it's time for the team to move on from him. Uh, it, it just feels, it just feels like that Unfortunately, that ceiling that he puts on the team is just too much. It is, its is is. Is frankly is moving Nikola Vucevic priority number one for the Magic, beginning to to change this roster over.
4: I think so. I think um, <clears throat> roster construction in itself has been flawed these last six years, and so that's and that hurts your player development as well on the court. And so when you don't have those right pieces next to your young prospects you're not able to to see what they can really do and to bring out the best in them. And and Vooch is, is part of that problem. You don't have that rim protecting center, um, you know, there and somebody that can anchor your defense from the five. I I believe that's a very important part of today's NBA. Um, You know, he, he is being able to stretch more, which has helped this year. Um, However, still there's, there is, like you say, there's a, a cap on this team with Vooch on the court and you can even see it with a guy like Kim Birch on the court, somebody that just brings energy, hustle and defense, how much the team changes and how much he makes other players better. And I don't think Vooch, um, as much as I I love Vooch, I mean, he's been one of the most loyal players we've had. And I I just think he puts the cap on there and I think it's time to move on, flip over the core.
3: Yeah. And then honestly, his style of play is just not a wanted commodity in the NBA now. Um, that a lot of guys with his skill set you're seeing coming off the bench, I just don't know if he's willing to accept that role here in Orlando.
1: Yeah, I mean, that just kind of feels like the unfortunate reality of things. Um, kind of turning to the, the bigger issue before before we start diving into the draft here in the next couple of minutes or so. Uh, diving into the bigger issue here, uh, the Magic, obviously, are still looking for a coach. Um, I think most of us expected they'd have one in place by now uh, so that, that a new coach could participate in the NBA draft combine, in the interviews that take place, or at least the kind of, for, in the their formal interviews, but I, I think they're more informal interviews, um, begin meeting these college prospects, being part of that process of building this team. Uh, but the Magic don't have a coach yet. Um, we'll get into to the second question of that for, uh, later. But first, um, was this decision to fire Frank Vogel a good one? Uh, Ricky, what, what do you think on that matter?
2: I think it was more or less a necessary one. I mean... Frank Vogel, I think, I don't know if polarizing is the right word. I don't know if there were a ton of like Frank Vogel stands in the Magic fan base, but a lot of people really, really thought he had to go. I wasn't quite on, on that level. I mean, like, it, I never really saw much from him offensively that just made you be like, wow, like this guy can really like draw some stuff up to maximize what he's got on the court. You never really saw like forward thinking um approaches to his like rotations. Um there was all that the the two center lineups he threw out this year were just I I just baffling really. Um so I, I think it was a necessary one, especially because it was very obvious that he kind of lost the support of the locker room. Um like most of the players and the important players like Aaron Gordon just it didn't seem like um care to execute his game plan um, or really just thought he was the right coach for them at the beginning of the season. It didn't seem that way. Uh, I mean, Aaron Gordon um, had that tweet about like, I'm rolling with our guys now um, and that he was so excited to finally have like a coaching staff in place for him to develop with. Um, But throughout the year it just didn't really seem like, Frank Vogel wanted to be there or that the players wanted him to be there so I think um for Hammond and Weltman to Weltman for the most part um I think for them to decide that they want to bring their own guy in, see if they can get someone who can get a little more buy-in maybe someone who's a little more forward thinking with how he uh orchestrates an offense and how he just approaches like in-game decisions I think that's a perfectly reasonable one
1: Aaron, I, I don't know if you were there that night, but but I, I think what struck me most, and when I kind of began to, to to turn and say, I don't know if if Frank Vogel is is really the guy, uh, it, it was kind of when uh, he said to at a at, at a media gather at a media gathering that you know I've had to rethink my defensive principles. I've had to rethink how I coach defense because the NBA has changed so much. Was this? I mean, the injuries obviously played a huge role, and I think that was a a part of the reason why the Magic had to go to a lot of two-center lineups. Is just their roster didn't give them much else to work with. But Aaron, uh, was was this just a matter of Frank Vogel just didn't catch up with the times? You're on mute, Aaron.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the orders of technology. I muted muted myself because my daughter came in and she was going crazy. So, Um, yeah, I've got (laughs) to disagree a little bit. So... Their pace, they were pretty much a top 10 pace team in the league all year. And when you think about Vogel and in Indiana, that's not who they were, right? Different roster construction. But from last year to this year, you know, Vogel um, realized that with Alfred Payton, just not an ideal half-court player, they needed to push and push. And so maybe their offensive rating was not elite; They were a bottom-tier team. But pace-wise, I do think he adjusted a little bit. They took more three-point shots. They had a faster pace. Um, these were not the type of Vogel defensive teams we expected, but offensively I do think he made adjustments. Look what he did with Mario Hazonio. Like when he first started playing him at power forward, like all of us were kind of looking at each other like, what in the world? Like him and his staff saw something and might have gotten this guy another contract in the NBA because at the three, he just wasn't an NBA athlete. But at the four, he was able to take people off the dribble and and you know, figure out kind of his niche in the NBA. So I think um, I was always kind of uh, a fan of a couple things he did with Alfred, with, um, you know, with Mario. But look, you know, when the management doesn't hire their guy, this is just something kind of standard that we all have come to expect to happen. I do think Orlando was lucky to have Vogel. Like, You don't fire someone unless you know you have someone just as good or better. So now they're kind of in a position where they're waiting to see who Toronto doesn't hire, who Milwaukee doesn't hire. They're just going to catch whoever's left over. We don't know yet if that's going to be a better coach than Frank Vogel or not. Yeah,
1: that's an interesting point, especially since the Magic sit here today without a head coach, and that's a perfect transition to get into uh, into the, like the first. I th- what we would think is the first big piece of the summer to fall into place, which would logically make sense uh, that it's uh, the coach that comes next. Uh, but obviously, we're still searching for a coach. Um, Andy and Steve, uh, what should the Magic be looking for? As a head, in a head coach, now that this this interview process is supposedly going on, I mean it's been super quiet from, from at the Amway Center.
3: Yeah, um, super quiet. Number one, that's one thing that uh, a little bit of a difference with Welman and Hammond is is there's zero rumors. Um, one thing I really want to see in the next coach is an identity. I need a coach who's going to come in and from day one do it his way. And I'm looking for kind of that transparency from management down to the coaching staff, down to the players. That's what I really think this move was, was everyone getting on the same page and create an identity with this roster. So I feel like, you know, today's kind of the first, you know, st- the start of kind of building that roster, but we need a coach who can put it all together and have a vision of how everyone needs to play and what role they need to fit in. So that's really what I want to see in our next coach. Yeah, yeah. I think we 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 had an episode. I, I think it was one of our last episodes where we said
4: we we believe that the coaching hire is more important than this lotter than this lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that that the coaches are are so vital to these guys' development and creating and establishing this culture. That if you don't have that correct culture and coaching system in place. There, you know, you, you just can't, uh, you know, cultivate uh, that culture, and and you cannot uh, develop these players correctly. And you've seen that happen with with Magic players in the past. You know, you you've seen Oladipo go, pass through here, and, and and you know we've missed steps on him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen Alfred Payton go through here and not be developed correctly. I, I don't know if that's his fault or the coaching staff's fault. You know, honestly, but but there's something missing, and so th- this coaching hire is so important. And I, I think you know you have to find a guy that's that's either elite developmentally mm-hmm. or somebody that's elite uh, X's and O's. You see what Brad Stevens does for his team on the court. You see the plays he draws up. Um, you know, you see the culture guys like Dwayne Casey set up and change Toronto's identity. Um, we've got to find that guy and stick with him. Yep.
1: before before I move on to to Ricky and kind of ask him, ask him the the next next part of that question, is there a coach out there that the Magic have either reportedly interviewed or, or a, a coach that you can think of that, that fits that bill for you? Um,
2: you know, I think
1: – I was going to ask – sorry. I was going to ask Andy and Steve that before oh, we talk sorry. <laughs>
3: We're we're both, we're both
4: on the same page here.
3: We love Nick Nurse. Yep. Um, okay. Nick Nurse is the guy – I have actually saw him. Uh, Andy was working as a camera operator in the D League back in the day. And I actually got to see Nick Nurse early in his career coaching. And that guy, the way he deals with his player is really unique. And I something draws me to him every single time. His his offensive mind is, I think, very advanced and very new age. So I feel like he would be a great guy to, to come in and kind of create something. And he's not a big name. So really there's not that pressure to, you know, perform immediately. You know, start developing the guys and make them what you want. Agreed. Yeah,
1: and it sounds like the Raptors are going to give him an interview uh, for their open job now. And uh, uh, I, I would note that also when, when both Bismack Biombo and Terrence Ross were asked specifically about Nick Nurse during Egg's interviews, both of them said verbatim, my guy. <laughs> uh, Ricky, um, uh, kind of on that development tack, is, is the, what's the problem in this rebuild for the Magic? that lack of uh, of development from the coach? Or, or was it simply a lack of stability? It, you know, if Scott Skiles were still the coach, would, would things be better off now?
2: I mean, I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's just so many variables with like how sure. players develop because stability plays a role. But if it's not the right kind of stability, then how helpful is that? Um, like stability just for stability's sake. I mean, who does that really help? And if it's that
1: was the season.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and I mean... I don't know guys like Alfred Payton guys like Mario Hazonia I mean I I guess if if there's anything I I would I would say that this organization has not consistently put its young talent in positions to succeed like over multiple years Um, and like you saw that this year as well Um, I mean you just aren't seeing guys getting optimized within specific roles and I think that's one of the most important things and I mean I I really don't like to bring up like Brad Stevens in the Celtics because like obviously everyone would love to have a situation like that. But I mean, you see what they do, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, they're being put in into perfect. Not only are they being put into like ideal situations to succeed, but they're like clearly empowered to take like good shots and just like play freely. So this balance that Stevens is able to strike with his players makes them able to be, both winning players while also just like very confident players at the same time while being very young. And that's just very rare. So that's obviously what you look for. I think with this new coach is someone who can just take these young players, find out, okay, what are they good at? And what are they not good at? And how can I like optimize the strengths and minimize the weaknesses right off the bat and just like empower this guy to be like himself on the court, you know? Um, and I think that's just not something that has consistently happened over the past few years. And that's one of the biggest things I would be looking for in a new coach is whether that coach, I, I think has the ability to do that.
1: Do you, do you have a pick for who you, who you would like to see as, as the head coach at this point, or, or um, is it too early to say
2: it? Well, it, it it's always kind of hard. Cause like with assistant coaches, there's only so much information you really know about them. But I mean, from what I do know, um, like I, Nick nurse is my guy, honestly. Um, I mean, clearly like he played a major role in Toronto completely changing their offense the way they did and that just can't be understated because you have like veteran all-stars like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan well DeMar DeRozan especially like drastically changed his style of play to get a guy like that to buy in to such like a drastic shift that is very important obviously Dwayne Casey was the head coach there so he should also get some of the credit but based on what I have read like these implementations were like It was Nick Nurse's ideas, and it was his implementation strategies. So maybe it's a little bit unfair, but from what I've been able to understand from the information we do have, I'm giving Nurse a little bit more of the credit for the changes that we saw, and I think Dwayne Casey's specific styles is probably more like what we saw before this season. That's at least my read on the situation, and based on that, I mean, what Nick Nurse was able to do and – like just his, his, his the size of his resume, coaching overseas, coaching in the G League, and being incredibly successful there. I, I mean, I, I just think he checks all the boxes for me.
1: Yeah, sorry if you saw me make a weird glance. I just saw Jay Billis had Luka Doncic fourth on his oh, top God. ten, so that that deserved that deserved a strange side eye glance. Um, yeah. Aaron, last thing on on the coaching search here. Uh, it, it seems like most of us want want the team to go the development path. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry if this boxes you in a little bit, but a lot of fans also think the Magic should chase after Dwayne Casey. Obviously, Jeff Weltman has a relationship with him, uh, and he's had a lot of success as a head coach. It, it, is, is it right to go after a coach with maybe some experience like Dwayne Casey, or should the Magic stick to kind of the, the assistant coach getting his first chance?
0: Uh, I mean, sure, they can go after him if he's interested. But, I mean, you know, he would be – fine like I wouldn't be opposed to it but you know it's a two-way street like does Dwayne Casey want to jump right back in with the magic like could he easily take a year off work some TV wait for an opening with uh, a more developed roster like he's just coming off of coach of the year which is just you know like a whatever award but like his stock for him is kind of at an all-time high because he probably should have been let go you know last year or two years ago but now that you know, Toronto was a number one seed. Is that the right move for him to like go and just jump right back in with the magic without, you know, a developed, you know, roster or an all-star or anything like that. So I don't even know if he would want to, like, sometimes the Weltman connection, people over like hype and value that too much. Um, I don't see personally, and I don't know anything. I don't know if Dwayne Casey would want to come to Orlando, um, but but we don't know that. If he would want to, I'd be willing Um, You know, I think Nick Nurse is probably the right pick, but, you know, if they wanted to make a change just to make a change away from Vogel, Stackhouse, I guess, makes some sense because of his recent playing career and maybe some ability to connect with players and get the best out of players. Um, You know, again, I would prefer Nurse, but I could understand them going with Stackhouse. They have familiarity with him from their G League team as well. And I don't buy any of that stuff online about him not interviewing well for teams because, you know, you're a coach. It's your connection with your players. It's the way that you draw plays. Like, yeah, you want to be a CEO and interview, but that's not the most important thing in the job. And and it, that would make sense if they hired him as well, because it would be a different direction than Frank Vogel for for sure.
1: Definitely, definitely. And so it seems like all all of us like Nick Nurse. We're we're all, we're all gonna gonna endorse Nick Nurse, even if he's not actually in in the running here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just all in this just, secret ballot.
1: So, so if anyone, if anyone can get this out to Nick Nurse, uh, uh we er, Magic Blogosphere is is on your side here. <laughs> um, I guess it is eight o'clock. Uh, ESPN just teased that the draft lottery order is coming up next, so it's prop time. I got my big board here with the with the at least part of the draft lottery order, uh, ready to go. It is almost draft lottery time. I've seen a lot of people talking about the draft prospects. We're going to dive right into them right now. Uh, Ricky, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how important is this draft for the Orlando Magic?
2: <laughs> I mean, this is, a, I think, a foundational draft, um, honestly. I mean, I love Jonathan Isaac, and I think what we saw from him was really good. And I was – I mean, we only saw so many games, but I was really pleased with it. I just don't know if I'm ready to consider him, like, a super foundational player. Like, he'll be – I think he'll be a very good player – But I think this is the draft where you really are kind of going for a higher upside play, just like, and obviously the ideal scenario is to get your star of the future. Um, Next year's draft at this point doesn't look like it's going to be quite as good. Um, And, you know, obviously the hope is that we're not picking quite so high next year anyways. So I think this is the draft where you really are looking for that like foundational piece that potential, like offensive star or just like defensive game changer. Um, so I, I think it's it's a critical draft.
1: Andy, Andy, and Steve, for like Ricky said, this seems like it's a, it's a critical draft to, to get a foundational piece. Uh, I think a lot of us, or at least I think at least that a, a core that starts with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac plus this draft pick is at least something you can grow with. Do you guys feel like a at let's say let's say the Magic end up fifth or sixth, can the Magic still get a foundational piece in this draft at, at five or six?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is, a, you know, I think, I think most people are in agreement. There's, there's probably about seven, like, elite players in this draft. Um, I think there's, there's a good chance the Magic could draft a player at six that could become better than a one or two. Um, there's a chance of that. I think, I think we all kind of agree Luka Doncic is that top guy. But after that, you know, it kind of evens out a little bit more. Um so I, I believe that we can, you know, get somebody even if we fall to, to six or seven, you know, worst case scenario eight, you know, whatever. They so fall to eighth, that's
1: that that like,
2: what a
4: point zero zero four percent chance of that.
2: <laughs> Something like that.
3: Not happening.
4: Knocking on wood. Anyways, um, I did not just jinx that. Anyways, <laughs> um anyways, uh so we could but we can get a good player anywhere we land in this draft. Um, follow
3: Andy on Twitter. Follow Make me. Sure on Twitter. Give him some crap. <laughs>
4: if we land eight, I'm going. Here, <laughs> um, so but you know we will. I think there's there's uh you know plenty of players, especially Hammond and Wellman type of players, in that range that um I think that can really fit in with this team. There are some some players that could conflict with. Isaac and Gordon, which is kind of scary in that range. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of see what they do, if they go for need or if they go best player
3: available. And that that's what I was going to follow up on is, is is there definitely is foundational pieces that could be had uh, in that spot. But again, you've got a lot of guys who are kind of, yeah, I know positionless basketball is really, you know, the new way to play. Um, but again, with Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, it's kind of those, those pieces a four, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how that's all going to work. It, it really depends on, on what they go with. i really like to see a guy who we have a clear need for, and we can put him in and let him excel at that position. So it, me personally, I hope, I hope we don't draft a four, but I, I, I really think there's going to be a foundational piece we can pick up.
1: Yeah, they're, they're currently introducing the, the, the representatives on the stage. Scott Perry of the New York Knicks is on our TV right now. Uh, Jeff Waltman is representing the magic on the stage. Pat Williams is in the actual lottery room. I assume the lottery's already actually been run. So our fate's already sealed. Um, Aaron, you know, this has been a top heavy draft. Uh, we've obviously talked a lot about the, the, the star power in, in this draft. Um, how do you evaluate what the magic need to get out of this draft? Is Is it truly get a foundational piece?
0: Yeah. I mean, you don't hone in on a certain position because again, you don't even know the draft comes before free agency. What's going to happen with Aaron Gordon. So you pick your person, you just bring the top five or six or seven guys in, you work them all out and, and, you know, we're going to find out here where we're at. You know, if we're at six, then you just kind of catch whoever falls to you. If you're in the top three, now you've got, you know, a more difficult decision to make. Um, But, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, it is a positionless NBA now. Um, it's a little scary picking a forward because we don't really know what Jonathan Isaac's going to turn into. I know a lot of people want him to play center, but he's just so light and thin, and just in his waist and lower half. Um, I just I don't know. That's probably his best NBA position um it's gonna be weird like what do they do do they pick the best player or do they pick their prototype because i uh, like the guy said there's some long people the jaron jacksons the muhammad bombas that you know fit their type of player but that doesn't necessarily mean that'll be the best player uh, available um so it'll just we is we're gonna find out here you know uh what's best for the team yeah, and, and, and now
1: I'm like trying to make sure we were not in the middle of a conversation while the, the actual draft lottery goes on. This is the fun part of live of live, I guess, YouTubing. Um, but uh, quickly, just just quickly around the table, I, I agree that I think this is a foundational piece. This is guy you want to be part of your core. Our TV screen.
0: who do you take, Aaron? Uh, can you repeat that? Because you were freezing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> freezing. Um
1: who with the number one pick if the magic get it. Donchich, For sure. Got one for Doncic. Uh Andy and Steve, who do you take with the number one pick?
2: Luca.
4: Luca.
1: And Ricky, who do you take with the number one
2: pick? You already know. Luca Doncic. Doncic, Donch, whatever it is. Doncic. Luca. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Luca.
4: It's a safe route. There you go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Luca. I, I
1: plays against men um he's not putting up 16 points per game against college kids he's playing against uh guys you know professional players there's our guy Jeff Waltman on the screen now um I don't see I mean I know Ricky you're not particularly high on Aiton I do really like Aiton but I, I still think Doncic is the clear number one guy. I think he would fit this Magic roster really, really well. I think he'd still need to find a ball handler somewhere to play next to him, but he wouldn't have to be like a true point guard, uh, to, so, to, so to speak. I, I tweeted out uh, – they're, they're getting ready. They're, they're explaining the rules of the lottery before they, uh, they, they explain it. Uh, I tweeted out um, during the afternoon uh, – sorry for the YouTube problems, everybody. Um, I tweeted out in the afternoon – Uh, to share your magic. What lucky charms are you using to help the Magic win the NBA draft lottery? Uh, I am wearing my Anthony Hardaway jersey, uh, branded specifically with the luckiest day in Magic history, the 1993 NBA draft. Um, What magic tokens do you have today, guys? Uh, Let's start with you, Aaron. Uh,
0: I'm not a big jersey person. I do have a J.J. Reddick jersey, but I don't think that would bring us any luck. Um, I just have a 25th anniversary uh, cup and... uh, been drinking uh, just water out of it, so
3: <laughs> that's what they all say.
0: <laughs> Kids are watching. Uh, Andy, Andy, and Steve, uh, what, what, what
1: magic? What, what magic tokens do you have?
3: This Andy's, is uh,
4: this is my like my first jersey I ever bought. I think I was like uh, maybe six years old. as a Penny Hardaway jersey. Um, but we've got that hanging in the rafters back there, and then uh, I've got my draft hat on, ready to go. We we went all blue.
3: Yep, so all blue day.
4: (laughs) That's what we got going on
1: here. Hopefully, we're not feeling blue in about fifteen minutes here.
3: Hey, also, I want to add that guy on Twitter. I don't know his name, but uh, Markey Randolph. Markey Randolph. He said he'd get a tattoo if we got the number one pick. I want to put that on this YouTube so we can all hold him accountable.
1: Awesome. They're actually right now doing a retrospective on the 25th anniversary of the Anthony Hardaway Chris Weber trade. So, um, my, my favorite line from that is Pat Williams saying, uh, the re- we only, we got three first round picks. Cause I originally asked Don Nelson for six, uh, Ricky, uh, <laughs> Ricky, what do you have as, as your, as your share your magic?
2: Well, I got my Jonathan Isaac Jersey, which hopefully the number on it is a positive indicator for the pick we end up getting tonight. I realize the odds of that are low, but you know, I had to pull it out, see what it can do.
1: Yep, uh, yep, and, and, and right now is the nervous time. The lottery results are probably already done. The Magic already have their pick. Uh, Pat Williams, uh, who is talking, I assume this is on tape with Little Penny, uh, is sequestered in a conference room somewhere with, the, with everyone else who walked, witnessed the actual lottery. I assume right now, uh, if you're walk- you are watching, you want to turn on to ESPN, that's perfectly all right. Right now, the chief of security is, is heading up to the table along with the accountant that has all the envelopes. Um, La La Land has won the NBA draft lottery. So that's fantastic news for La La Land. Uh, and uh, white people misappropriating jazz everywhere. Uh, and so we are getting set now for the NBA draft lottery. I will be following along here. The Denver Nuggets are right here. Uh, I'll try and make sure everyone can see. The Denver Nuggets right here are in line for pick 14. They have a 0.5% chance to win. New Orlando Magic had 88 number combinations. If you don't know how they, they put 14 ping pong balls in a drum number 1 through 14. They draw four numbers. They match that number combination to a big whiteboard that has 1001 to- the to- 1001 total possible number combinations that are in the that can be made out of the numbers 1 through 14. The Magic have 88 of them, thus an 8.8% chance to win the lottery. They have about a 29% chance to land in the top three. Mark Tatum's on the dais right now and revealing the results of the lottery. As expected, the Denver Nuggets will have the 14th pick in the NBA draft. The 13th pick in the NBA draft will go to the LA Clippers. Things continue to go to form. We don't really have to worry about the Magic till we get to eight, which is this empty spot here. I forget who that's supposed to be. The L.A. Clippers remain at 13. 12 should also be the L.A. Clippers. That's the pick they acquired in the Blake Griffin trade. So things going to according to form. No repeat of uh, the Penny Hardaway jump that the Magic made. Pick number 11 belongs to the Charlotte Hornets. So things continue to go to form. Uh, I do not know who's at 10. I should have uh, actually planned this a little bit. I'm worried about
0: the Sixers. I'm worried about the Sixers. The internet might break. This is the Sixers
1: pick. That's what I thought. So the 11th pick,
0: pull them over here, er,
1: belongs to the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the LA pick, I believe? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, this is the LA pick. This is the Brooklyn pick down here. That's right. So the Sixers and Celtics awkwardly sharing a, uh, a panel at the dais. This uh, <laughs> Philadelphia gets to keep their pick uh, this year. Are they really taking a commercial in the middle of the NBA draft lottery being revealed? They are really taking a commercial in the middle of the NBA draft lottery revealed. We are up to pick nine. So the New York Knicks should be next. I'm going to put this down here so everyone can see it. The Cleveland Cavaliers should get pick eight, which is the infamous Brooklyn pick, followed by the Sacramento Kings, followed by the Chicago Bulls, and then the Orlando Magic. So after the New York Knicks pick, the Orlando Magic will officially be in the splash zone, um, so to speak. It's for Orlando. I can make SeaWorld references. Everyone can deal with it. Um, What was that?
3: You can for sure. In okay, excellent. Yeah, allow
1: it. yeah. Um, obviously, things going according to plan. How's everyone feeling? Everyone feeling lucky? How's everyone feeling in the chat here?
2: I'm feeling good.
1: Um, let's let's take this moment. Actually, I think this is a good good, good part to take to take in here. Uh, Ricky, the Magic have two second round picks. I think it's 35 and 41. What can the Magic expect to get out of those two second round picks?
2: I actually think there could be a, a number of interesting players available, especially with a 35th pick. Elio Cobo, um, who's playing in France right now, is kind of the guy I've targeted, who I, I'm pretty sure will be available at that point. If he does get drafted, it'll probably be only like two or three picks before that. Um, he's... Uh, I, I think he's gone a little bit under the radar just as a guy. Some people have called him the French Trey Young. Don't know if I'd go that far, but he is really good at shooting threes off the dribble. He's definitely better defensively than Trae Young. He's got a 6'8 wingspan. He could improve his consistent consistency on that end for sure, but he's definitely got the tools. Um, he's definitely got the jumper. He's uh, He's surprisingly athletic. He can really get off the ground. He can finish at the rim below and above it. Um, he's a great passer. He can make some pretty, pretty advanced reads. That's the guy I've got targeted for number 35, uh, 41 gets a little dicier, but there's still guys out there like Javon Carter who can, I think, develop into like pretty good NBA players. Um, so it, it's more, uh, well, I, th- I think there'll be, um, you know, uh, a measurable drop off from 35 to 41, but there's definitely going to be some interesting players in that range.
1: Um, Aaron, who do you look at? with those second, with those two second round picks. Are there any players that, that have caught your eye yet?
0: Yeah. Regardless of what they do with their, their first pick, I think that's the part of the draft where there's a lot of depth, that point guard um, Ricky was exactly right. You've got um, Aaron holiday. I know um, they mocked him on ESPN at like 17 today, but there's no way. So he's going to be kind of in that range. Uh, Carter, you might be able to package both second rounds to the late first and maybe get Brunson, but you know, regardless if they pick Trey Young or not, they only have DJ Augustine guaranteed, uh, only point guard on the roster. You know we don't know what's going to happen with Shelvin Mack, so that's where you can draft for need, and that is a need um, in the second round.
1: It, it certainly seems like the Magic will take a point guard somewhere in this draft, whether it's at the top taking uh, Trey Young or Colin Sexton or Luka Doncic, or in the second round. It does feel like uh, there is enough point guard depth that the Magic could get someone interesting uh, in this draft. Um, and at least someone that, 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 that could, uh, get some playing time off the bench back to the NBA draft lottery being revealed. We are at pick number nine that should go to the New York Knicks and it does. So now we are officially in the splash zone. The Orlando magic cannot fall further than the eighth pick in the draft. The odds say that they will pick six, that one team will jump above them, but fifth is the next most likely. The eighth pick in the NBA draft belongs to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So things continue to go according to plan. No one has jumped into the top three yet. The next pick, the seventh pick of the uh, NBA draft should go to the Sacramento Kings and it will in fact go to the Chicago Bulls. So the Sacramento Kings have jumped into the top three. Oh. That means that if the, that means the magic are next in line. They will pick six unless they've jumped into the top three. So Now's the time to feel nervous, everyone, because the Kings are the team that's jumped. The Magic will pick sixth in the NBA draft, so no luck this time for the Orlando Magic. They will fall where the statistics say they should have at the sixth pick in the draft. Now the question is who who fell out of the top three. In fact, it looks like the Atlanta Hawks have moved into the top three as well as the Kings and Hawks move into the top three. The Dallas Mavericks will pick fifth. The fourth pick in the NBA draft belongs to the Memphis Grizzlies, and so your top three will be the Phoenix Suns, the Sacramento Kings, and the Atlanta Hawks. Guys, Andy and Steve, the Magic may have just won a, won a game that took them out of the top three of the NBA draft of the NBA draft.
4: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you knew it was going to come back to that, right? Immediately, as soon as that pick is revealed. You know that uh, people that we could have been tied and could have moved up into the top three, and it could have won us the lottery.
3: Again, those wins, I just did it. Kind of head scratcher. I mean, obviously, you want to play. The Magic
4: tried
1: really hard to lose that last
3: game. They did. They did. Yeah, and that's
2: we're just too bad.
3: (laughs) It's a culture win, but what culture did we have? Um, You wizards. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So,
1: I mean, I, I will say I will say this. I was a big proponent of not tanking, of trying to build culture wins. Um, But I will say this definitively. The Magic failed at the path that I wanted them to take to try and build culture and build some character and and all that jazz. And they failed at the tanking path. And, you know, whether it's... I mean, some people will say the Magic should have gone all in on tanking. Some people should have said that the Magic were half in, half out. However you want to characterize it, there is no other way to describe the 2018 season than a complete and utter failure. I, I think there is just no other way to describe it. The Magic did try to lose that game to the Wizards. You can't convince me. I mean, at least from the rotations that Frank Vogel did, um, I, I am not going to blame the players for trying to win that game. That is their job. They're not there to, to help the team get draft picks because they could be gone just like that. Um, and hopefully I just erased half the, uh, half the NBA uh, NBA teams, teams doing that so the Magic can get into the top three. But, um, uh, but you know, it, there's nothing you can do about it now. The Magic will have the sixth pick in the draft. Um, Andy and Steve, early thoughts on drafting sixth. Who who do you think the Magic should take with the sixth pick, and, or how do you think the draft could break for the Magic for the Magic to, at the sixth pick?
3: That's a really um, interesting spot. Uh, one thing I'll say is at least it's not the eighth. Um,
1: <laughs> Things could be
3: worse. No, I think I think that that's about where the drop off is of that talent that we're looking at. Those tiers, um, that's that's a decent spot. There's definitely going to be somebody who falls, you know, out of the top five. I feel like um, now it's just kind of a seeing how how it's going to break down. It's it's really an awkward spot because it's so unpredictable at six. So many things can change. Um, you know, a prospect could get hot in the next few you know weeks leading up to the draft. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's not the worst, but it's not great.
4: I think, I think we've always said, I think this has been our, our thing is if we, if we're not getting a top two pick, if we're not getting a Doncic or an Aiton, then it's Trey Young all the way for us. But I mean, that was, that's kind of where we've been. So I think if Trey Young's there at six, that's who I think.
1: Aaron, when you, when you look at, at how this draft is shaking out, or at least a, a quick cursory glance, you can kind of see it, I guess, on my screen. Um, At six, who do you think the Magic are going to be looking at? Uh, Trey Young seems to be in that range now. Is is Mo Bamba going to fall to that range? Uh, uh, Who who are the prospects that, that Magic fans should begin to learn to love at this point?
0: Yeah, I think we know Young, Bamba, and Wendell Carter will probably be there. But then they're also going to be in a position, do they just, again, just draft whoever falls to them? Maybe there's some questions about Michael Porter Jr.'s back. Do you risk that because of the maybe potential value? Do you just draft someone that falls or do you go with your guys? So at least it's clear now that we know um, Aiton, we know Dontridge won't be there and you can kind of focus in on a few people, bring them all in and, you know, kind of organize yourself and, and just, you know, pick whoever falls to you. Um, I think Bagley the third could be a guy though, it could be, um, you know, someone that could fall. But he's probably out of everyone at the top, not the best fit in Orlando. So, um, they've got some decisions to make. But it's not the worst, you know, thing in the world. Um, this is a draft uh, that the sixth pick could be just as, as solid as the second or third. There's no LeBron James. There's no, um, you know, top studs. So. Yeah, uh, the NBA draft lottery being revealed here. The Atlanta Hawks will pick
1: third. The Sacramento Kings will pick second. And as as according to form, the Phoenix Suns will draft with the first. In the NBA draft, so Luka Doncic might be with his old coach, DeAndre Ayton might be uh, might be staying in Arizona. Sacramento, I think, could be an interesting spot, um, especially if the Suns take Ayton because they already have a point guard in De'Aaron Fox. Uh, but, um, obvi- but obviously, a, a good day for those three franchises. An interesting day for the Magic. Ricky, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, who who are the who should the Magic be really looking at at six uh, at six here?
2: There are a few names. I think Trey Young is the one that jumps off the page, especially as 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 I was saying earlier. The Magic got to go for an upside play, and Trae Young totally fits that bill. Even though the downside is is definitely there. I mean, there's. I think with him, it's either he's like an all star level offensive player, or he just is like unplayable because he's that bad defensively. I th- I I think he's going to be very boomer bust. But I mean, I think the Magic got to go for that upside play, get their foundational offensive piece. I think Trae Young is probably the pick there. Um, Other than him, um, I'm a huge Wendell Carter Jr. fan. He's not quite the same sexy upside guy as Trey Young, but I think he's a really underrated player, Um, just can do pretty much everything well. Um, He's also super young and super intelligent. You can see that both on the court and by by the fact that uh, he got accepted to Harvard, I believe. Um, I mean, he's just a really intelligent guy, and, and it shows in every single way. Um, so I like him a lot. Um, Mikhail Bridges is another one, not really that much of an upside play. I think he's his upside might be a little bit underrated, but overall, probably I would go Trey Young over him. Zaire Smith and Shai Gilders Alexander are probably the last two I'd really be considering with that pick, but Trey Young is probably the move.
1: Uh, Andy and Steve, you guys have said you're you're Trey Young fans. Outside of Trey Young, who do you like at six or or who who maybe is a dark horse that you would take at six?
3: I really like Mikael Bridges. Um, looking at this guy's resume, I just – I, he kind of fits the bill. It kind of does everything. I mean, look at his college resume. This is a kid who can play good D, can shoot the ball. He knows what it takes to win a championship, brings that winning mentality. Um, I, I mean, last year I really liked Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, coming out because I just didn't really see a lot of weakness. Mikael Bridges might not be a sexy pick, but – Hey, he's a he's a contributor. I feel very safe with picking Mikel Bridges in this draft.
4: Agreed. I think Bridges is super underrated. Um, I think he'll go higher than people think. So I think he's going to be a late riser. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got everything you'd want. He's got the wingspan. He's got the defense. He's got the shot. Um, I think he's he's a better creator than people give him credit for. Um, but you know, if if Mobamba slides, I could easily see the Magic grabbing him there as well. Um, obviously, Trey Young is someone you got to look out for, and then Michael Porter is is a wild card. You don't know what's going to happen with Michael Porter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if we get if we get our hands on his medical, um, then potentially you take him um, at that at that point in the draft. I mean, he's he was potentially the first pick in this in this you know right. in this draft, and so I think you have to look at him, even though he's not the best fit with the Magic. But you, the Magic just need help on offense, so I think it's something you got to look at.
1: Um, I think we, I think we all know the answer to this, uh, on the ESPN broadcast, Jonathan Javoni just unveiled his top five uh, of his mock draft. He has DeAndre Ayton going number one to Phoenix, uh, Luka Doncic going number two to Sacramento, Jared, uh, Marvin Bagley going three to Atlanta, Jaron Jackson, four to Memphis and Mo Bamba five to Dallas. If that's how it goes, Trey, it, Trey, it seems like it's then picking between Trey Young or Michael Porter's back over Aaron Gordon, uh, does, is, does that does that kind of make is is that kind of what the decision is or, or Wendell Carter maybe? Aaron,
2: yeah, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ricky. Sorry.
2: Uh, I was gonna say yeah, I, I think that's about right. I'm I'm really not there on on Michael Porter Jr. from just personally. Um, we obviously didn't get to see a lot from him, but there are the injury concerns. I don't think. He is going to be much of a defender. I, I mean, like he showed some flashes of like weak side room protection ability and some, some FIBA competition. Other than that, I don't think he can really stay in front of guards. And I think he's a little bit too light to, to defend larger players. Don't think he really has a defensive role. I don't think he really has the handle or like first step explosiveness to really beat guys. One-on-one you can shoot over the top, but, um, I'm just not really there on him. I think Trey Young is probably the move there. I think Wendell Carter is a really underrated fit for this team. Just, I, I really think it, you got to go with the upside play.
1: Aaron, uh, I'll, I'll leave the last word here before we close out to you. Uh, what do you think of the options ahead of the Magic? Will they get what they want out of the sixth pick uh, of the draft, whether it's Young, whether it's Carter, whether it's Porter, whether it's someone falling to them? Uh, that we don't think of out of that top five.
0: Yeah, I think they'll get what they want. Um, I, I think I would put Bomba as a favorite, actually, um, just because of how I know the players that that our management targets, and also the fact that you know it's a position where Biombo is not a part of the future, Vucevic is not a part of the future. So you could put Bomba there and work your way from inside out. Then you bring Gordon back, and you've got Gordon and Isaac at forward. Bomba, you just you know, you're back in the lottery next year to find your backcourt. But um, I do think Carter is also, I agree with Ricky, you know, an underrated um, pick there. Uh, I watch the playoffs right now, and I, Al Horford reminds me so much of Wendell Carter. Very smart, does a little bit of everything, um, is not going to wow anybody, is not sexy, but it can play in the NBA for, for 10 to 15 years. Carter already has more of an outside shot than Horford did in college, you know, right now, but very similar height and weight. Um, so yeah I, they're in a fine spot um they'll bring trey young in and, and if he impresses them they they can pick him and if not there's depth at the end of the first round early second to find you know a point guard. um i
1: think we're gonna have to leave it out at there uh the magic will draft sixth in the nba draft um and not what everyone wanted to say but that's actually what the numbers said they would say and yes perhaps perhaps the magic played themselves out of a top three pick but such is life. You can't do anything about it now. You can only look forward to uh, the sixth pick in the draft. Uh, let's run around the table, let everyone know where they can find your work. Aaron, where can they find, where can they find you on the Twitters and the internets?
0: Uh, Twitter, at Aaron Goldstone, and I uh, write for uh, Orlando Pinstripe Post. It's uh, SB Nation. Uh, Andy and Steve, where, where can everyone find the Orlando Magic Podcast?
3: Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Orlando Magic PC uh, and iTunes anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. We're a weekly show, so.
1: And Ricky, uh, where can everyone find you?
2: I am at Scricca One at on Twitter uh, at Scricca One, um, and I write for Orlando Magic Daily, just like Phil. Well, Phil runs the site, so he he better <laughs> write for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where you can find me.
1: Yeah, I'll be writing uh, right after I put my pizza in the microwave. Um, You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. Be sure to check out our our podcast, Locked on Magic. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts. to your podcast-enabled listening device, just like you can find the Orlando Magic podcast on iTunes, just like you can find Do You Believe in Magic, uh, the Orlando Pinstripe Post podcast as well. The Orlando Magic, again, will draft six. We'll have plenty of analysis coming up on Orlando Magic Daily, just like I'm sure they will on the Orlando Magic Podcast and Orlando Pinstripe Post. We're about the way from the NBA draft. There is still a long, long way to go. The NBA draft combine begins later this week. I'm sure the Magic will interview a lot of these guys, begin the process of understanding these guys and uh, getting to know uh, what they have available to them at six. That's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everyone for joining the NBA Draft Lottery Spectacular there won't be a draft show because I actually go to the arena for the draft, but we'll definitely do this again. Sometimes it's it was great having Aaron, Andy, Steve and Ricky on the show until next year, next year in the playoffs, right? Next year in the playoffs, right?
2: Next, next year. Season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here we come. Well, hopefully.
1: Yeah, hopefully we don't do this again, but in case we do, we'll see you all next year for another NBA draft lottery. Spectacular. And of course I'll see you all tomorrow for another, or at least not tomorrow, the next day, whenever that day is, uh, Uh, I'll see you all next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Thanks, everyone, for joining this uh, Google Hangout and on YouTube. Appreciate everyone. Saw everyone on there as well. So have a good one. Six is a lucky number. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
2: your teams every day.